Hello and welcome to Speak the Words, a Cosmere podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mingo. This is a podcast where we slowly but surely work our way through the story of the Stormlight Archive. I'm explaining it to Mango, who's never read the books. I've read all of them. Uh, the Cosmere overall as well, but, but we're currently focused on the Stormlight Archive as we are on Oathbringer, the third book. Mango, do you remember what happened last time? They got to Kolinar. The singers were attacking the outer wall, which was being defended mm-hmm. by just some random people. They approached mm-hmm. the wall with, like, a bunch of refugees and stuff, I guess. And yeah. are like, hey, can you let us in? And the guys are like, will you fight with us? And they're like, uh, no. And they're like, then no, we're not letting you in. But then they get distracted by being attacked, so they just go in anyway. Then they go to uh, a seamstress's house that Adolin yeah, takes Adolin's- to. Or the tailor. Excuse me. Yeah, Adolin's tailor. It, yeah, she's a seamstress. But she's also a tailor. She's both, I think. Yeah. She basically explains, like, stuff that's going on in the city. Why they yeah, can't use fabrials. Why they can't, um, basically, they don't know why you're not hearing anything from the palace, but everyone's locked into the palace who was already in there. Um, mm. and no one comes back out when they go in. Mm. Uh, which we find out why, later. Uh, <laughs> Shalon and Kaladin kind of, like, team up to try and send a message to the queen. And so Mm -hmm. Kaladin gives her the message, and then Shallan has a moment where she's like, hey, why do I like Adolin instead of Kaladin? I should like Kaladin. Um, And well, Vale has that moment. Oh, yeah, true. Vale is like, I don't know why Shallan likes likes Adolin. And that rubbed against you. You didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that they are splitting the interest between the two sides of her and then she goes to the palace to deliver the message and then they take the message and then they stab her and they carry her mm-hmm. off somewhere now obviously she doesn't die she heals but yeah they're taking the messages from the outside but then they kill anyone who comes in pretty much and dump the body so uh that's fun yeah there was also one quick dalinar chapter um what was that one where again? dalinar Dalinar got it confirmed to him that the crazy dude that wrote to him saying, I'm a herald oh, yeah. of the Almighty. He actually is a herald. He is Ishar. But he is crazy. Yeah, oh, he's fucking nuts. We have a little bit of explanation about the Bondsmith powers and, uh, like, talking about the Bondsmith powers or the powers of connection with a capital C, bridging minds and souls and worlds. Um... The Stormfather talks about how there are only three Spren that make Bondsmiths, and Dalinar asks if Cultivation is one of them, and Stormfather's like, <laughs> yeah, sure, buddy. Um, uh, the Stormfather also talks about, uh, we kind of get an explanation for why Stormlight is refilled in the, in the, in the, in the High Storm. Oh yeah, it's because the, which... the veil between the realms is so thin that the gemstones are able to collect par- part of the light that is coming through from the sacred plane. Yeah, so the idea is the idea is essentially that honor's investiture is all concentrated in the center of the storm and the inve- and when there's so much investiture in one place, it pulls the realms together and punches a hole through them. So that's why the visions happen during that moment, and the high storm and time works weirdly during it. 
forgot when... that we started calling him Storm Daddy. We haven't called him Storm that Daddy is, in yes. a bit. We haven't called him Storm Daddy in a while. Well, Storm anyway. Daddy tells him all this. Yeah. And, Storm Daddy. and in that moment, when all three realms were brought together, the investiture from the spiritual realm comes through and manifests as Stormlight because it is honors investiture and fills the uh, the gemstones. And uh, That's a Dalinar long explanation t- for what I just said. <laughs> it is, but the specifics are important. Are they? Yes. And the other thing that they tried was they tried having the Stormfather infuse spheres right here. On command, and it yes. did not work. It did not work. Dalinar felt something tug inside of him, like the bond. But uh, the Stormfather said that the power is with the storm, so it can't. It can't come here. Okay, but you can cause a storm. So, like, can you cause a mini storm? Well, uh, the... can he cause yeah. a mini storm to infuse I don't, gems? I don't think so. It's more that he's riding the storm than he's causing it. He sped it up at the end of Words of Radiance. I thought he but... caused that. I am giving you the. This... Massive high storm to try and get rid of the ever storm or whatever. It technically, yes, technically he causes it, but it still starts where it's supposed to start and then comes through and hits the coast. You know, it's not like he can start it in the middle of the continent, but it does sound like he could go, okay, I'm going to make a storm start from where it's supposed to start and then push through. Just make make it so that he can make a storm wherever he wants. Break the laws of nature. It's fine. Yeah, just break the laws of nature. It's fine. And uh, then Dalinar went to Azir to meet with people. Oh, with, yeah. To meet with uh, Gox. Yeah. And that is where we pick and up he took tonight. a lunchbox. He didn't take a lunchbox. If I don't hear from you in one hour, we're coming to get you. Which is like a very overbearing mom. Chapter 65, Verdict. It has Dalinar's symbol. Uh, the epigraph reads, Now that we abandon the tower, can I finally admit that I hate this place? Too many rules. From drawer 8-1, Amethyst, and it's from a will shaper. The Oakgate platform in Azimir, or has been, or Azimir has been built over a giant indoor shopping mall. Or it would, the, the giant indoor shopping mall has been built over the Oakgate platform, is what I meant to say. I was like, excuse me, what? They have ancient shopping malls? Yeah, no, no, sorry, it's the, <laughs> it's the other way around. Uh, Dalinar leaves the control building, and he sees that there's been this path constructed... Um, from the control building that leads into a room filled with Azish soldiers. He shows them that he's unarmed, and then he hands one of the viziers uh, the four pieces of paper that Fen had given him, and they begin to talk amongst themselves. Dalinar asks the Stormfather to make him understand Azish like he does in the visions, and the Stormfather says that Dalinar does that. He tells Dalinar to touch one of them, and then use spiritual adhesion to make a connection. What? Dalinar, yeah, Dalinar gets one of the soldiers to get him a drink of water and then grabs the soldier by the wrist, pushing Stormlight into him. What? And then creates, like, a bond between them, a connection. And now Dalinar can understand and speak Azish. And a lengthy sequence plays out where Dalinar just keeps handing them more and more essays written to explain why the Azish should hear hear them out. The first that he gave was about economic opportunities afforded by the Oathgates, and that was written by Queen Fen. 
The second is a description of the Wonders of Yerathiru by Navani, as well as the schematics for half shards, which were those uh, shields that could stop a shard blade from Taravangian. Then he pulls out one last letter written by Yasna. It's the shortest letter, but the most impressive. It's essentially a work of art. The viziers all gather around and they're like, oh, the, look at the poetry. Look at the, look, oh, and it's in this, it's in this, uh, whatever tone or beat or whatever. Like, it's, they like, look at it like it's the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> the head vizier the says that, these folks. yeah, he doesn't give a shit about this. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. They really aren't impressed by anything. The head vizier says that they will take the essays to the Prime and his council and asks Dalinar to follow them. They make their way from the market to the palace, with Dalinar noticing that they'd created a blockade around the Oathgate control building. He wasn't sure how to explain to them that if somebody transferred the whole platform, it would make their blockade useless, because it would take it with them. Uh, <laughs> and it would just drop a new platform full of soldiers... And he's like, I will broach that subject later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not the best thing to bring up when you're trying to make peace yeah. with a group of people. Yeah. It's like, hey, um, you're trying to defend against us, uh, but that's not going to work. No, we could just take your whole blockade when we transfer the platform. <laughs> um, something about the city looks familiar to him. Rathalus, he thought. The rift. The city that had rebelled. Right. He felt a chill and the pressure of something hidden trying to thrust itself into his consciousness. There was more to remember about that place. They pass protesters that are rejecting orders to go work the fields. I don't like fields. the wording of that sentence. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I don't uh, like the wording of that sentence. They pass protesters that are rejecting orders to go work the fields since the parchment have left. Nora says that the fields hadn't been planted when the Everstorm came, uh, Nora's the head uh, vizier, and that if these people of other trades did not go work them, there would be a famine. Dalinar asks what had happened with the Parshman, and Nora tells him that they'd gone out into the Everstorm, then come back demanding reparations. She says that they had been deep in negotiations before the Parshman had marched off somewhere else. And Dalinar's like, okay, well, Alethi Parshman acted Alethi. They started gathering for war. The Thalen Parshman had taken to the seas. And the Azish Parshman, well, they'd done something quintessentially Azish. They had lodged a complaint with the government. <laughs> Dalinar is taken to a small building next to the palace and left there. He signals Navani with the span read so that she doesn't panic at how long he's gone and waits. The Stormfather asks if Dalinar has always worried about what would happen once the world was ruled by politics and not force. And Dalinar doesn't have an answer for that. Dalinar finally settled onto one of the couches. Might as well eat something. Except, his cloth-wrapped lunch lay open. Crumbs on the table. The wooden curry box empty, save for a few drips. Lift! He slowly looked up at the other couch. The slender Reshi girl perched not on the seat, but up on the backrest. She was gnawing on the sausage that Navani had packed with the meal to be cut into the curry. Lift is disappointed with the lunch, and he's <laughs> like, it's soldiers' rations. And uh, she says that the viziers are going to deny Dalinar's request and tells him that they have a finger with them. And Dalinar's like, what the fuck does that mean? And then he realizes that it's the finger of the prime that had ruled when the Sunmaker tried to conquer Azir, and that they're using it as a reminder of what happened the last time Alethi troops were in Azir. Oh. Lyft seems more eager to work with Dalinar and is visibly freaked out by their encounter with Odium. Dalinar grunted. Your name is Lyft, right? Right. And your order? 
More food. I meant your Order of Night Radiant. What powers do you have? Oh, um, Edge Dancer? I slip around and stuff. Slip around? It's real fun, except when I run into things. Then it's only kind of fun. Dalinar leaned forward, wishing again he could go in and talk to all those fools and scribes. No, for once, trust in someone else, Dalinar. Lyft cocked her head. Huh, you smell like her. Her? The crazy spren who lives in the forest. You've met the Night Watcher? Yeah. You? He nodded. They sat there, uncomfortable, until the young girl handed one of her bowls of dried fruit toward Dalinar. He took a piece and chewed it in silence, and she took another, and they ate the entire bowls in silence, saying nothing <laughs> until the door until the door opens. Ah, uh, the bond created by sharing food. I like that they're like, we both had traumatic experiences with a crazy spren in a forest that did weird things to us, and we will not talk about. <laughs> that is deeply personal, and we will not talk about it. <laughs> Nora says that the Emperor and his council have accepted the invitation to visit Yurithiru, and that ambassadors from all the other Makabaki nations nearby will come as well. She surprises Dalinar by saying that it was Navani's genuine approach to her essay and not Yasna's work of art. Do the visions take place in, like, a different realm? And that's why mm. Lyft is be able to get into them, because she's able to, like, slip between the realms, because she's kind of, like... Half in, half out. We do see strange things in the visions. We see creatures walking around a couple times. Time slows down during them. So yeah, it seems like it is someplace else. It isn't... It. I, I'm not going to say that it is like you're slipping into one of the other two defined realms with the cognitive realm or the spiritual realm, but you're not totally in the physical realm anymore. Um, so that makes sense is, why Lyft is able to get in then. It would. Dalinar says goodbye to Lyft, and the Aesir shall lead him back to the Oath Gate. On the way, he tells them about the security risk of somebody transporting the entire platform instead of just the control building. And instead of freaking out, they're just like, that's very fascinating. What would happen if you had a structure that was half on the platform and half off? Dalinar's like, I, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, we're gonna have to test it. <laughs> Dalinar's like, okay, all right. <laughs> They're very much less concerned and more like, yeah. ooh, that would be cool. Literally, they're just like, fuck around and find out. That's the, that's yeah. that's what they are. Is this, are the Sanderson uh, fandom. Uh, we got called out in the first Secret Project book. The narrator made fun of us for wanting to know the specifics of how the magic worked. During the book, it was pretty mean, but also very funny. The Aesis are the ones who would ask about the cheese. Yes, they would ask about the cheese. <laughs> Absolutely. Could a, can a shard blade cut through cheese? But they would be the ones who would actually test it. Now that they have. Oh, they would test it. Shard and blade. Some poor bastard would die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, kinda, I, I think I like the Aesis now. Yeah, no, they're great. I love the Aesis. <laughs> Dalinar signals Yasna with the span read, and Nora says that she still doesn't trust Dalinar in the Radiance. I will convince you. We will prove ourselves to you. All I need is a chance. The Oathgate flashed, and Yasna appeared inside. Dalinar bowed to N Nora in respect, then stepped backward toward the building. You are not what I expected, Blackthorn, Nora said. And what did you expect? An animal, she said frankly. A half-man creature of war and blood. Something about that struck him. An animal. Echoes of memories shuddered inside of him. 
I was that man, Delinar said. I've merely been blessed with enough good examples to make me aspire to be something more. He nodded to Yasna, who repositioned her sword, rotating the inner wall to initiate the transfer and take them back to Yerathiru. Navani waited outside the building. Dalinar stepped out and blinked at the sunlight, chilled by the mountain cold. He smiled broadly at her, opening his mouth to tell her what her essay had done. An animal. An animal reacts when it is prodded. Memories. You whip it and it becomes savage. Dalinar stumbled. He vaguely heard Navani crying out, calling for help. His vision spun, and he fell to his knees, feeling an overwhelming nausea. He clawed at the stone, groaning, breaking fingernails. Navani was calling for a healer. She thought he'd been poisoned. It wasn't that. No, it was far, far worse. He remembered. It came crashing down on him, the weight of a thousand boulders. He remembered what had happened to Evie. It had started in a cold fortress in the highlands once claimed by Yakaved. It had ended at the rift. And that is the end of the chapter. Oh. Chapter 66 is titled Strategist, and it has Dalinar's flashback symbol. And it's 11 years ago. Dalinar is showing a young Adolin the defenses on the side of a keep that makes it more difficult for a Shardbearer to climb the wall. He has Adolin show them on the map tables in his room where they currently are. Adolin also shows the land that they'd won from the Vadens, and explains the trade treaties that they'd secured. Dalinar explains that with these treaties, they've also legitimized Gavilar as the king of Alethkar in the eyes of the Vadens. It felt good to explain all the choices he made in politics and war to his son. He no longer wasted his time drinking with the soldiers. Evie comes in and asks where Adolin ja- Adolin's jacket is, and Dalinar sends Adolin off to his geography lessons and promises to take the boy riding the next day. Evie says that the king is sending a message via Spanreed, and Dalinar inspects his battle maps of the rift while also noting how much Evie has changed over the years. She was trying hard to be a more Alethi wife. She complains that he doesn't see Renarin enough. Renarin was back in Kolinar as he was unfit for battle, and she spent half the year with him there. The letter from Gavilar arrives, and Dalinar's brother compliments him on his good work and expresses his pride. He says that he wants to see Dalinar as soon as possible, as he has his own revelations to share. It's been three years since they've been together. Unfortunately, Gavilar says that he needs Dalinar to deal with the rift first as politics have failed. Sadius is gathering reinforcements and will join Dalinar there. He says that another high prince is supporting the rift, but they aren't sure which. Evie is upset as she had thought they would be returning to Kolinar soon, and Dalinar says that Gavilar would want to keep his general busy. He thinks the king's advisors would be nervous about having Dalinar close to the throne, as he was the only real threat to Gavilar's rule. He tells her that he doesn't think that they'll ever settle in Kolinar again, and she begins to cry. Seven years, she whispered. Seven years we've been out here, living in wagons and waystops. Seven years of murder, of chaos, of men crying to their wounds. You married. Yes, I married a soldier. It's my fault for not being strong enough to deal with the consequences. Thank you, Dalinar. You've made that very clear. I thought you were growing to like it. You now fit in with the other women. The other women? Dalinar, they make me feel stupid. But... Conversation is a contest to them. Everything has to be a contest to you, Alethi, always trying to show up everyone else. For the women, it's this awful, unspoken game to prove how witty they each are. I've thought, maybe the only answer to make you proud is to go to the Night Watcher and ask for the blessing of intelligence. The old magic can change a person, make something great of them. Evie, please, don't speak of that place or that creature. It's blasphemous. You say that, Dalinar, but no one actually cares about religion here. Oh, they make sure to point out how superior their beliefs are to mine. But who ever actually ever worries about the heralds, other than to swear by their names? 
You bring Ardents to battle merely into to battle merely to soul cast rocks into grain. That way you don't have to stop killing each other long enough to find something to eat. It is different in your homeland. Yes. True, there are those who don't care about the one or the heralds. They say we shouldn't accept Iriali or Vorin doctrines as our own. But Dalinar, many do care. Here, here you just pay some Ardent to burn glyph wards for you and call it done. Dalinar took a deep breath and tried again. Perhaps, after I've seen to the rebels, I can persuade Gavilar not to give me another assignment. We could travel. Go west to your homeland. So you could kill my people instead? No, I wouldn't. They'd attack you, Dalinar. My brother and I are exiles, if you haven't forgotten. He hadn't seen Toe in a decade, ever since the man had gone to her Daz. He reportedly liked it quite well, living on the coast, protected by Alethi bodyguards. Evie sighed. I'll never see the sunken forest again. I've accepted that. I will live my life in this harsh land so dominated by wind and cold. Well, we could travel someplace warm, up to the steam water, just you and I. Time together. We could even bring Adolin. And Renarin? Dalinar, you have two sons, in case you have forgotten. Do you even care about your child's condition? Or is he nothing to you now that he can't become a soldier? Dalinar grunted. He stood up, then walked toward the table. What? Evie demanded. I've been in enough battles to know when I found one I can't win. So you flee? Like a coward? The coward is the man who delays a necessary retreat for fear of being mocked. We'll go back to Kolinar after I deal with the rebellion at the Rift. I'll promise you at least a year there. Really? Evie said, standing up. Yes, you've won this fight. I don't feel like I've won. Welcome to war, Evie. Dalinar headed toward the door. There are no unequivocal wins, just victories that leave fewer of your friends dead than others. He left and slammed the door behind him. Sounds of her weeping chased him down the steps. I don't deserve that woman, do I? Well, so be it. The argument was her fault, as were the repercussions. He stomped down the steps to find his generals and continue planning his return assault on the rift. And that is the end of the chapter. Yeah, they're gonna go to Kolinar after the rift. It's not like Dalinar just said that her story ends at the rift or anything. It's gonna be fine. 67 is titled Mishim, and it has Shallan's symbol. The epigraph reads, This generation has had only one bondsmith, and some blame the divisions among us upon this fact. The true problem is far deeper. I believe that Honor himself is changing. From drawer 24-18, Smokestone. This was written by a skyscra- uh, skybreaker. A day after being murdered in a brutal fashion, Shalon found that she was feeling much better. What lingered was that single glimpse she'd seen in the mirror, a glimmer of the unmade's presence. She'd checked every single mirror in the tailor's shop and hadn't seen the figure again. She strolled into the kitchen where Adolin was eating and Elokar was drawing a map of the palace and the Oathgate platform, which she found to be not half bad. Kaladin joins them, and Elokar says that he's decided that his wife must be a captive to her guards. Kaladin thinks that she has succumbed to whatever is affecting the guards, and Elokar says that she needs rescuing either way. He tells Shallan to investigate the Cult of Moments to see what they're doing with the Oathgate platform. He tells her to try and join whatever ritual or event is happening above them. He says she could just transport the Oathgate and then let the army deal with the cult. If, he got cl- if she got close enough. Adolin and himself will reach out to the light-eyed houses to try and gather support in case they need to assault the palace. He asks Kaladin to investigate the wall guard and the High Marshal Azor. Adolin compliments Elokar's plan, which results in a single glory spread. Adolin points out that Asudan had been doing crazy stuff since before the Everstorm. We can ask her, the king said, once she is safe. Something must have been wrong. Asudan was always proud and always ambitious, but never gluttonous. 
eyed Adolin. I know that Yasna says I shouldn't have married her, that Aesudan was too hungry for power. Yasna never understood. I needed Aesudan, someone with strength. I don't know if you remember, but way back in the Words of Radiance um, opening uh, the prologue when it was the Yasna POV, when she's meeting with the assassin inside Kolinar that night, she's like, you don't have to kill my sister-in-law. I think it's going to be okay. So Yasna was planning on killing the queen. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> or having her, having her killed because she didn't trust Aesudan. Shalon and Kaladin say they like the plan, and Kaladin says that they need to find out where the grain is coming from. Adolin, Adolin asks if he thinks somebody has a soul caster, and Kaladin says that the city has too many secrets. Elokar says that he and Adolin will ask the Light Eyes, and Shalon departs to investigate the Cult of Moments and find a new coat on, a st- on account of her as having been, you know, stabbed. Vale wanders through Kolinar, first stopping in the market to buy a new coat. She asks the seamstress about the city's grain and is directed to a station nearby, protected from, by guards from House Valalent. People wait in line here to get a ration of grain. She spots an urchin waiting, uh, watching the line hungrily and offers him some food she had on her. Vale asks why he isn't in line, and he says that if you're too poor, they accuse you of already having been through and push you out. She continues on her way, noticing anger spread that look normal and ones that have been corrupted by odium. Suddenly, she felt, like infu- she felt like infiltrating the cult of moments wasn't as important. Important. It was more important to find a way to help these people. What was that sound? Shalon pulled up short. It couldn't be, could it? She drifted toward the sound, that voice. You say that, my dear man, it proclaimed, but everyone thinks they know the moons. How could they not? We live beneath their gaze each night. We've known them longer than our friends, our wives, our children. And yet. And yet. Shalon pushed through the milling crowd to find him sitting on a low wall. He was dressed in a soldier's uniform, with the coat unbuttoned and a colored scarf around his neck. The Traveler. The one they called the King's Wit. He was here. There are still stories to tell. Wit leaped to his feet. I told you it was going to be Wit. You said she was going to meet an old friend, and I was like, it's probably Hoyd. I was right. Wit tells a long story that I'm not going to read verbatim because it's not the story of this book. But it's about um, the three moons of Roshar and the cleverest one, Mishim. And it says it tells a story that is the supposed origin of the blue skin of the Naughton people. He says that the queen of Naughton, of the Naughton, uh, saw, traded places with Mishim for a night and had a child with Nomen, the blue moon, and that the child had blue skin. Uh, the three moons do connect to the shards thematically, but not like in universe. Uh, Mishim is green for cultivation Nomen is blue for honor and Salas is red for odium like in universe there's not a connection there but when I think Sanderson first described them way back in Way of Kings and he had wanted there to be like a hint that there were three gods on the planet oh wait so then that means there's three spren mm-hmm. he said that can create bondsmiths so there's one from mm-hmm. honor one from cultivation and one from odium possibly that would be a little weird, though, wouldn't it? Because because of, I mean, the bond, the, the Night Radiant bond is of honor. So it would be weird for something of honor to bond with okay, what, something what of Odium. Other, what other major spren does honor have, then? What could it be? Good question. Because we have not met any other major spren of honor. Not yet. Wit didn't bow for applause or, ta- or ask for tips. He sat back down on the wall that had been his stage, looking exhausted. 
People waited, stunned, until a few started yelling for more. Wit remained silent. He bore their requests, their pleas, then their curses. Slowly, the audience drifted away. Eventually, only Shallan stood before him. Wit smiled at her. Why that story, she asked. Why now? I don't give them meanings, child. You should know that by now. I just tell the tale. It was beautiful. Yes. Then he added, I miss my flute. Your what? He hopped up and began gathering his things. Shallan slipped forward and glanced inside his pack, catching sight of a small jar sealed at the top. It was mostly black, but the side pointed toward her was instead white. Um, I believe that this is sand from the planet Taldane, which is the setting of white sand. And I believe that the idea is that this black sand turns white in the vicinity of investiture being used. Wit snapped the pack closed. Come, you look like you could use the opportunity to buy me something to eat. Chapter 68 is the last chapter tonight, Aim for the Sun. It has Shallan's symbol, and the epigraph reads, My research into the cognitive reflection of Spren at the Tower has been deeply illustrative. Some thought that the sibling, with a capital S, had withdrawn from men by intent, but I find counter to that theory. From drawer 1-1, 1st Zircon. And this is from an else caller. The sibling, capital S, had withdrawn from men by intent. Wit led Shallan to a squat tavern. The innkeeper scowled as Wit entered. You, he said. Storyteller, you were supposed to draw customers here. My place would be full, you said. My tyrannical liege, I believe you misunderstood. Wit gave a flowery bow. I said that you would be full, and you are. Of what I did not say, as I did not wish to sully my tongue. Where are my patrons, you idiot? Wit stepped to the side, holding out his hands toward Shallan. Behold, mighty and terrible king, I have recruited you a subject. The innkeeper squinted at her. Can she pay? Yes, Wit said, holding up Shallan's purse and poking through it. She'll leave a tip, too. With a start, Shallan felt at her pocket. Take the private room, then. It's not like anyone else is using it. Idiot bard. I'll expect a good performance out of you tonight. Wit sighed, tossing Shallan her purse. As he ushered her in, he raised a fist toward the innkeeper. I've had enough of your, op of your oppression, tyrant. Secure your wine well this evening, for the revolution will be swift, vengeful, and intoxicated. Closing the door behind him, Wit shook his head. That man really should know better by now. I have no idea why he continues to put up with me. He settled at the room's dining table, where he leaned back and put his boots up on the seat next to him. Shallan sat at the table more delicately. Wit compliments her on the illusion of Vale, but she says that she needs to uh, but says that she needs to work harder to stay in character. He glanced at the hat which she'd set on the table. Shallan blushed. She felt like a girl nervously showing her first drawings to her tutor. The innkeeper entered with drinks. Many thanks, my liege, Wit said. I vow to compose another song about you, one without so many references to the things you've mistaken for young maidens. Storming idiot, the man said. He set the drinks on the table. The innkeeper bustled out, closing the door. Are you one of them? Shallan blurted out. Are you a herald wit? <laughs> softly. Heavens no. I'm not stupid enough to get mixed up in religion again. The last seven times I tried it were all disasters. I believe there's at least one god still worshipping me by accident. She eyed him. It was always hard to tell which of wit's exaggerations was supposed to mean something and which were confusing distractions. Then what are you? Some men, as they age, grow kinder. I am not one of those, for I have seen how the Cosmere can mistreat the innocent, and that leaves me disinclined toward kindness. Some men, as they age, grow wiser. I am not one of those, for wisdom and I have always been at cross-purposes, and I have yet to learn the tongue in which she speaks. 
Some men, as they age, grow more cynical. I, fortunately, am not one of those. If I were the very air, if I were, the very air would warp around me, sucking in all emotion, leaving only scorn. He tapped the table. Other men. Other men, as they age, merely grow stranger. I fear that I am one of those. I am the bones of a foreign species left drying on the plain that was once long ago a sea. A curiosity, perhaps a reminder, that all has not always been as it is now. You're old, aren't you? Not a herald, but as old as they are? He slid his boots off the chair and leaned forward, <laughs> holding her eyes. He smiled in a kindly Much way. Older. A child. When they were but babes, I had already lived dozens of lifetimes. Old is a word you use for worn shoes. I'm something else entirely. She trembled, looking into those blue eyes. Shadows played within them. Shapes moved and were worn down by time. Boulders became dust. Mountains became hills. Rivers changed course. Seas became deserts. Storms, she whispered. When I was young, yes, I made a vow. Shalon nodded, wide-eyed. I said I'd always be there when I was needed. And you have been? Yes. She breathed out. It turns out I should have been more specific, as there is technically anywhere. It... what? To be honest, there has so far been a random location that is of absolutely no use to anyone. Uh, they banter back and forth about the intelligence of other people and how most people are pretty stupid. True. The sum total of stupid people is somewhere around the population of the planet plus one. <laughs> plus one, Shalon asked. Sadius counts twice. Um, he's dead, Wit. What? Wit sat, sat up straight. Someone murdered him. Uh, we don't know who. Someone offed old Sadius? And I missed it? <laughs> what would you have done? Helped him? Storms, no, I'd have applauded. Shlan grinned and let out a deep sigh. Her hair had reverted to red. Wit, she said. Why are you here, in the city? I'm not completely sure. Please, could you just answer? I did, and I was honest. I can't know, I can know where I'm supposed to be, Shalon, but not always what I'm supposed to do there. He tapped the table. Why are you here? To open the Oath Gate, save the city. Pattern hummed. Lofty goals. What's the point of goals if not to spur you to something lofty? Yes, yes, aim for the sun. That way if you miss, at least your arrow will fall far away and the person it kills will likely be someone you don't know. The innkeeper chose that moment to arrive with some food. Shalon looked down at her food. Could she give this to someone else? Someone who des deserved it more than she did? Eat up. Don't waste what you're given. Reluctantly, she did as he instructed. Aren't you going to eat, she asked. I'm smart enough not to follow my own advice. Thank you very much. He sounded distracted. Outside the window, a procession from the cult of moments was passing. I want to learn to be like you. No, you don't. You're funny and charming and... Yes, yes, I'm so storming clever that half the time even I can't follow what I'm talking about. And you changed things, Wit. When you came to me in Yakoved, you changed everything. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to change the world. He didn't seem at all interested in his food. Does he eat, she wondered? Or is he... like some kind of spren? Who came with you to the city? Kaladin, Adolin, Elokar, some of our servants. King Elokar, here. He's determined to save the city. Most days, Elokar has trouble saving face, let alone cities. I like him, despite his... Elokarmus. He does grow on you, I suppose, like a fungus. He really wants to do what is right. You should hear him talk about it lately. He wants to be remembered as a good king. Vanity. You don't care about how you'll be remembered? I'll remember myself, which is enough. Elokar, though, he worries about the wrong things. His father wore a simple crown because he needed no reminder of his authority. 
Elokar wears a simple crown because he worries that something more lavish might make people look at it instead of him. He doesn't want the competition. You want to change the world, Shallan. That's well and good. But be careful. The world predates you. She has seniority. I'm a radiant. Saving the world is in the job description. Then be wise about it. Shallan frowned, then looked at her empty plate. She hadn't thought she was hungry, but once she'd started eating, Wit walked past and deftly lifted her plate away, then swapped it with his full one. Wit, I can't eat that. Don't be persnickety! How are you going to save the world if you starve yourself? I'm not starving myself. But she took a little bite to satisfy him. You make it sound like having the power to change the world is a bad thing. Bad? No. Abhorrent. Depressing. Ghastly. Having power is a terrible burden. The worst thing imaginable, except for every other alternative. He turned and studied her. What is power to you, Shalon? It's... it's what I said earlier. The ability to change things. Things? Other people's lives. Power is the ability to make life better or worse for the people around you. And yourself, too, of course? I don't matter. You should. Selflessness is a Voran virtue, Wit. Oh, bother that. You've got to live life, Shalon. Enjoy life. Drink of what you're proposing to give everyone else. That's what I do. You do seem to enjoy yourself a great deal. I like to live every day like it's my last. Shalon nodded. And by that I mean lying in a puddle of my own urine calling for the nurse to bring me more pudding. She almost choked. Her cup was empty, but Wit walked past and put his in her hand. She gulped it down. Power is a knife. A terrible, dangerous knife that can't be wielded without cutting yourself. We joked about stupidity, but in reality, most people aren't stupid. Many are simply frustrated at how little control they have over their lives. They lash out, sometimes in spectacular ways. The Cult of Moments. Or the Cult of Moments. They reportedly claim to see a transformed world coming upon us. Be wary of anyone who claims to be able to see the future, Shallan. Except you, of course. Didn't you say you can see where you need to be? Be wary, he repeated, of anyone who claims to be able to see the future, Shallan. Pattern rippled on the table. Shallan swallowed. To her surprise, her plate was empty again. The cult has control of the Oathgate platform. Do you know what they do up there every night? They feast and party. There are two general divisions among them. The common members wander the streets, moaning, pretending to be Spren. But others up on the platform actually know the Spren. Specifically, the creature known as the Heart of the Revel. One of the unmade. Wet nodded. A dangerous foe, Shallan. The cult reminds me of a group I knew long ago. Equally dangerous. Equally foolish. Elokar wants me to infiltrate them. Get onto that platform and activate the Oath Gate. Is it possible? Perhaps. Perhaps. I can't make the key gate work. The spren of the Fabrial won't obey me. You have the proper key, and the cult takes new members eagerly. Consumes them like a fire needing new logs. How? What do I do? Food. Their proximity to the heart drives them to feast and celebrate. Drinking in life, she said, quoting his sentiment from earlier. No. Hedonism has never been enjoyment, Shallan, but the opposite. They take the wonderful things of life and indulge until they lose savor. It's listening to beautiful music performed so loud as to eliminate all subtlety, taking something beautiful and making it carnal. Yet their feasting does give you an opening. I've brushed against their leaders despite my best efforts. Bring them food for the revel, and I can get you in. A warning, however, a simple soul-cast grain won't satisfy them. A challenge, then. I should get back to the others. She looked up to Wit. Would you... come with me? Join us? He stood, then walked to the door and pressed his ear against it. Unfortunately, Shallan, you're not why I'm here. She took a deep breath. I'm going to learn how to change the world, Wit. You already know how. Learn why. 
He stepped back from the door and pressed himself against the wall. Also, tell the innkeeper I disappeared in a puff of smoke. It will drive him crazy. The inn? The door opened suddenly, swinging inward. The innkeeper entered and hesitated as he found Shallan sitting alone at the table. Wit slipped deftly around the door and out behind the man who didn't notice. Damnation, the innkeeper said. I don't suppose he's going to work tonight. I have no idea. He said he'd treat me like a king. Well, he's keeping that promise. The innkeeper took the plates, then bustled out. Conversations with Wit had a way of ending in an odd manner. Well, and well, starting in an odd manner. Odd all around. Do you know anything about Wit? she asked Pattern. No. He feels like... Hmm... One of us. Shallan fished in her pouch for some spheres. Wit had stolen a few, she noted, as a tip for the poor innkeeper. Then she made her way back to the tailor's shop, planning how to use her team to get the requisite food. And that is where we will stop for tonight. Interesting. This is not the last time we're going to see Wit in the book. Of course not. He was not in here nearly long enough. We're getting close to the last time we're going to see Wit in the book. Oh. We're not going to see him past this. I mean, we'll see him for the epilogue, of course. But uh, he's gone by the end of this part for the rest of the book. Uh, but yes, uh, I, somebody finally, like, I actually, I really enjoyed this chapter when I read it the first time. It was one of my favorite chapters during the Kolinar sequence. My other favorite chapter is the other chapter he shows up in. Uh, I like that finally somebody acknowledges that Wit is not of this. Like, <laughs> he is not normal, you know? Like, yeah. everybody kind of dances around the, like, that guy's weird. I don't know what his deal is. But Shalon was like, you're fucking old, aren't you? Like, you're incredibly powerful. And um, he's just like, uh, yep, older yep. than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Old is a word for, what did he say, shoes? I'm something else entirely. He could have said that he's as old as the shards, but I feel like that would kind of ruin it. That would only, like, confuse her more. Or as old as the gods themselves. If he said, I'm as old as the gods themselves, that would, like, break her mind. So... I mean, even the idea of saying that he had lived several lifetimes by the time the heralds were born is, like, that's pretty, that's a lot. We don't even know technically how long ago that was. No. We know that it's been, what, like 4,000 years since Aharetium, and they were fighting for thousands of years before that, so... Like, it's been thousands upon thousands of years. Yes. Lived far too long. Next time, uh, we will, we're will. we not going to get back to Dalinar until we see what happened at the Rift. Mm. Now that he's remembered, it's going gonna, it's gonna to let the rest of the Rift chapters play out and then we'll, we'll come back to him. Um, we're not going to find out what happened next time. We will find out the time after that. Oof. Um, so a week from now, we will find out what happened at the Rift. Next time, Kaladin is going, I believe, to... Yes, Kaladin is going to meet Azor. Who? Uh, High Marshal Azor. Oh, the, yeah, right. The Wall Guard. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys can follow us on, di- uh, on Twitter at SpeakStormlight. Join our Discord. The link to do so is in the episode description. Email us at speakthewordsasp at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. And follow our good friend Alks on Twitter at Alks underscore Big Boy. They did all of our art or all of our cover art in there. They're incredible. They're amazing. I gotta start thinking about um, possible Mistborn art to get for them, from them for us, uh, for when we start on that. Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. <laughs>